the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So, in light of associating the Sabbath law with worshiping God, we see that the moral purpose of the law is not simply to give our bodies some physical rest. It is that, but it doesn't stop there. It is also to give our souls a day of spiritual refreshment, a day to delight ourselves in the Lord. In other words, we are to take a full day out of the week and devote it to being spiritually refreshed and invigorated by worshiping the Lord with His people. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and we are studying from the book of Exodus, the Ten Commandments to be more precise. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Here he is now with the conclusion of a three-part message on the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment. Canaan and the Sabbath rest is a picture of heaven and the heavenly rest, the final rest, the rest of salvation. He speaks of a greater rest, that is a heavenly eternal rest. And folks, that's what the Sabbath law pictures, ceasing from our own efforts and our own works, and resting in Christ's finished work of redemption. Verses 8 through 10 bring this out even further. For if Joshua had given them rest, Joshua is the one who they entered the, the promised land with. He was their leader. It says if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. If that's all the rest that God meant, he's saying, then there'd be nothing more said about it. But it, there is more said. So there he says in verse 9, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also entered, or rested rather, from his works as God did from his. In other words, the Sabbath rest is a symbol, just a picture of what it means to truly rest in Christ for our spiritual salvation. The Sabbath law pointed to the way of salvation and told people, you know what? The rest that God wants you to have is not simply a physical rest. It is that, but don't stop there. It is a spiritual rest for your souls. As God ceased from his labors, cease from your labor. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. Stop trying to live by the commandments. Stop, stop trying to earn salvation by good works. Rest Cease from working your way to heaven and trust, trust that Christ has done all the saving work on your behalf. That's what this is about. It points to that. It points to that. It's a precious picture. And the Old Testament was filled with that, pictures. The Sabbath law is simply a picture. I, I've told you this before, but it's worth, it's worth repeating because I think it vividly illustrates what, what this is about. Years ago, when I took Ben to his first baseball game, he was an avid, uh, not, not baseball fan, but a, but a fan of baseball cards. And I wanted to cultivate in him a love for the game. So we went to a, a spring training game here with the Phillies. 
And uh, we're close to the field, and I'm looking at all the ball players. And I look over at Ben. He was a young guy. I look over, and he's not looking at the ball players. He's looking at his cards, his pictures. I said, Ben, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm, I'm looking at the cards here, at the pictures. I said, son, what are you doing? The ball players are right in front of you. Put those pictures away. Why would you look at the picture when reality is staring you in the face? That's what Hebrews is about. Why would you, why would you be so enthralled with the photos the pictures, when you have the real thing. It would be just like me saying, I'm going to go away on a trip, and uh, rather than take Michelle, I will take a photograph of her. <laughs> that, that's exactly what this is. And I'll be so thrilled to look at that photograph. See, what the writer to the Hebrews is saying, why are you thrilled with the pictures? The reality is here. The sacrifices, the dietary laws, the priesthood, the temple worship, and yes, the Sabbath law, all were pictures of the Messiah. He's here. He's the reality. Why are you getting excited about the shadows? You've got the real deal right in front of you. That's what this is about. And listen, that, this is why, watch this, this is why there is no requirement today about observing any specific rituals on Saturday or Sunday for that matter. That's what the Old Testament Israelite did ceremonially. He offered sacrifices, there were restrictions on carrying burdens, on doing business, baking bread, boiling water, gathering sticks, doing housework, all that kind of stuff. It's over. All of those ended with Christ's death because they were only ceremonial and symbolic in nature. Paul, as I said, calls it shadows. The reality is found in resting in Christ's work of of redemption. That is why salvation is by grace through faith. You rest in him. But you know what? The Jewish religious leaders of of Christ's day never got it, never understood it, never realized the divine intent of the Sabbath as a picture of resting and salvation. And so in their zeal to keep this law, they turned it into a drudgery, into a negative burden by adding all kinds of rigid restrictions about what constituted work on the Sabbath. It was absolutely absurd and ridiculous. I I have books in my library that will tell you every minutia of detail of what you could or could not do on the Sabbath. For example, let me give you a taste of how ludicrous this is. The rabbis decided that carrying a burden on the Sabbath was was work. And, And the divine intent of that was your normal employment. Don't do any burdens of your normal employment, but that's not what they saw. They had to decide what constitutes a burden. It's really very simple. Cease from your normal routine workload, but that's not where they left it. They said, that anything equal to or heavier than a dried fig leaf or a dried fig was a burden. Now, if you carried half a fig on the Sabbath, it wasn't work. But if you put it down and picked it up again, you would be doubling the weight to a full fig, and thus you would be breaking the Sabbath. Now, that is the mentality and the legalistic burden they imposed on people. Once again, Ken Hughes is very helpful in explaining how ridiculous, absurd the rabbis could be about this. He writes, women were forbidden to gaze into a mirror on the Sabbath because they might discover a white hair and be tempted to pluck it, which would be a grievous sin. While eating, a radish could be dipped in salt but not left too long, since one would then be performing the labor of pickling the radish. Spitting was allowed on the Sabbath, provided one spit into his handkerchief or on the rocks, but it was unlawful to spit on the ground because one might inadvertently scuff the spittle and the earth with his sandal, thereby plowing and cultivating the earth. And so he adds, so being a righteous person under this system depended more or less on which way a person spit. 
And folks, that's how, that, that's how it came down. That's the way it was. Now, you can understand from this why Jesus was so incensed at these religious zealots for corrupting the Sabbath. They so criticized him. They said he broke the law because he healed on the Sabbath. Jesus never broke the law. He broke their interpretation of the law, their ridiculous nonsense and superstition about the law. See, they had forgotten that, that God gave this law as, as a, a gracious provision, a benefit for man. They didn't make it a benefit. They made it a burden. That's why Jesus rebuked them when he said in Matthew 23, 4, he said, they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders. That's why I said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said that he was Lord of the Sabbath also. And, and in case you think that those ridiculous rules are over, they are not. I mentioned about my Orthodox grandparents, not. Uh, and, and I told you, it's not even driving a car. They didn't know how to drive. Just riding in a car. I don't even know how you can figure that's work, but they did. But you know how ridiculous this is? If you go to Israel today and the Sabbath comes out, it always starts on a Friday night because that's when the, uh, when the day begins in the Bible, evening uh, with sunset, goes from sunset to sunset. And you would get on an elevator Friday night or Saturday before the sun would, would set. They have a Sabbath elevator, which means it stops at every floor. Why? Because pushing a button would be work. Now, that's how ridiculous it goes. And just to make sure I was on the right track, when I called my dad yesterday, I, uh, I asked him about some of this stuff. And yes, he affirmed it to me. I said, what couldn't you do on, on the Sabbath? And he told me about lighting candles. I would have to have a Gentile come in and do it. He said, we couldn't have money. We couldn't carry money on the Sabbath. And, and he said, I, I said to my father, he said, um, he said, I asked him, Dad, why do we do this? And he said, don't ask. That's the explanation. Don't Don't ask. Jonah. So, so they just do it. They just do it. It's nonsense. It's a burden. Now, there are two applications that I want to point out to you at this point. Number one, if the purpose of the Sabbath was to point men to Christ and his finished work on the cross, then the question has to be asked, have you ever rested in Christ's finished work? That's what salvation is. Jesus said, it is finished. Have you ever come to him and said, Lord, I, if it's finished, there's nothing more I can add to it. I, I rest completely in what you've done. It's not faith in Christ plus what I do. It's not grace alone plus works. If you add anything to grace, it's not grace at all. It's works. That's why Jesus, in this marvelous verse, and this is exactly what he was talking about in Matthew chapter 11, this verse that has brought such comfort to people. Matthew eleven twenty eight. he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Folks, the rest he was talking about is the rest from the law, specifically trying to keep the Sabbath law. We know that because chapter 12 opens with Sabbath questions. It's an invitation from Christ. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. All of you who are heavy from trying to keep this burden, which you can't keep anyway. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he said, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. You have no rest under this legalistic system. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Lord invites you to rest in him and his work on the cross. See, this is the answer to the burden of legalism and human effort for salvation. It is such a burden. It is such a weight. No one can carry this. No one can. So if you've never trusted Christ, I urge you to do that. To see the Sabbath as the Sabbath rest for your soul. Secondly, 
There is another form of legalism that many Christians tend to live under today, and that's the legalism that comes when you impose all kinds of of man-made restrictions upon yourself as to what you can or cannot do on Sundays. You want to keep in mind that the, the moral principle of refraining from work one day a week has to do with your normal daily work, your routine labors, your, your employment work, not any old activity. He's not talking about doing, it doesn't mean that you wake up on, on a certain day and never get out of bed. Jesus was criticized precisely for this point, doing the work of healing. Therefore, keep in mind, there are no biblical restrictions on doing non-employment related activities on Sunday or for that matter, any day of the week. Now, you may choose to refrain from certain activities on Sunday, and that's your choice, and perhaps your conscience is not free to do certain things. You were raised a certain way, your parents lived this way, and you picked that up, and your conscience is not free. It would never violate your conscience, but please, keep in mind, if you choose to refrain from certain activities, that doesn't mean that others need to do that. When there are no biblical restrictions imposed upon you, you dare not impose them or judge others who don't do these things as less spiritual than you. That's the problem with with legalism. It's not a problem with rules. The problem is to say, I keep these rules, therefore I'm more spiritual than you who don't keep these rules. That's legalism. That's having some kind of merit before God. It may not be for salvation, but it's for sanctification. I'm more sanctified than you because I don't cut my lawn on Sunday. I don't watch football games on Sunday. I tape them and watch them on Monday, that type of thing. Hey, that's what some people do. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding about that. Sounds funny because it is funny, but don't impose that on others. They're not less spiritual than you. When the Bible is silent on, on restrictions, then you and I need to be silent. You have a certain conscience issue that you can't do, then don't do it. That's all right but don't impose it on someone else. In fact, years ago, someone complained to one of our elders that they thought it was wrong for me to run a marathon race on Sunday, and they said, we want you to tell Steve. Well, that was the first mistake. They should have come to me and not gone to him. But my response was to, to tell the elder, so you go back to those people and tell them, number one, they should have come to me. But secondly, tell them that Christ has delivered me from the Judaistic legalistic system, and I'm not about to let anyone put me in bondage to another type of Christian legalism. So you want to keep those things in mind. There's another truth and application here. God never intended the Sabbath to be horrible. To be horrible. A horrible day of dread and drudgery. Instead, it is to be a delight. It is to be a joy. You want to mark this down. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13. In that verse, God calls the Sabbath a delight. That's what it really is. That's what it's supposed to be, a delight. Not a day of negatives, not a day of what can I not do, not a day of man-made restrictions. It is to be a joy. And that brings us to the third and perhaps most important purpose of the Sabbath. Number one, the Sabbath provides a day of rest, physical rest. So take it, what God says. Secondly, it points to salvation in Christ. So rest in him. The third purpose of the Sabbath is to promote spiritual refreshment. While the fourth commandment does not directly state that the Sabbath day of rest was to be a day set aside for worship, that is indicated in the scriptures. It may not directly state it, but it states it. 
It seems to be the intent of the law. And the reason I say this is because throughout the Bible, there are references to gathering together with God's people on the Sabbath. For example, Leviticus 23.3 calls, calls the Sabbath a holy convocation, which means a holy gathering, a, a holy meeting. A convocation is a meeting. That's what it says. Isaiah 58, which I just mentioned, 13 and 14, refers to the Sabbath as a delight and says that, that on the Sabbath, we are to delight in the Lord. That comes through worship. We are to enjoy him. We are to, to experience delight in the Lord. And in the New Testament, the Jewish people did understand that they were to celebrate the Sabbath by gathering together in their synagogues. Each city or town had a synagogue and the people gathered there and they worshiped the Lord by hearing his word. The book of Acts clearly brings that out. Everywhere Paul went, that's what they did. And in Luke 4.16, it says that it was Christ's custom. Of course, our Lord always kept the law. It was Christ's custom to worship on the, uh, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. So in light of associating the Sabbath law with worshiping God, we see that the moral purpose of the law is not simply to give our bodies some physical rest. It is that, but it doesn't stop there. It is also to give our souls a day of spiritual refreshment, a day to delight ourselves in the Lord. In other words, we are to take a full day out of the week and devote it to being spiritually refreshed and invigorated by worshiping the Lord with his people. This, folks, is our weekly Sabbath, what we're doing here. This is our weekly Sabbath rest, that inward rest and, and renewal and refreshment that comes from worshiping Jesus Christ. That's the real intent of the law. Does this have to be on Sundays? Listen, there is no biblical warrant for making Sunday the Christian Sabbath. You'll not find that in Scripture. You'll not find the command there. Then you say, then why do we worship on Sundays? Because in, the early, in early church history, Sunday, which is known as the Lord's Day, is not known as the Sabbath. It is known as the Lord's Day, became a natural day, a natural normal day for Christians to gather to worship the Lord because it was on Sunday that Christ rose from the dead. But there is absolutely no New Testament command that Sunday has to be the day that we worship the Lord, that we gather together. In fact, every day we're to worship him, but we're talking about collective worship. You can do this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You can do it any day of the week. And it's sort of whatever your culture dictates. Our friend Menno Kalisher, one of our missionaries we support in Jerusalem, pastors a church there. They meet on Saturdays. And why do they meet on Saturdays? Because everybody's working on Sundays. Wouldn't make any sense to meet on Sunday when your congregation works then. They're off on Saturday. So that's when they meet. You see, Sunday was the natural inclination of the early church. There was no command for them to do this. And that tradition continues to our day. And it's fine. In our culture, it works best. So you know what that means? It means that in keeping with the moral principle of the law that one day a week should be to rest and refresh your souls in our culture, Sunday is that day that we set aside to accomplish this. And that means, and here's the point, the priority of each Sunday should be to gather in church in order to worship the Lord. The priority should not be recreational activities. If you want to do that after church, that's fine. But the priority is not boating. It's not golfing. It's not going to the beach. It's not even wholesome family outings. You may do that, but don't neglect worship. In fact, that's why I I think, uh, and I don't want to be legalistic about this, but I think that if Sunday is the priority of worship, then I think more of you should be here on Sunday nights. That's what we do. This is that special day. See, if, if you're stressed out, from your labors, from the weariness of sin and its battles and from the trials of life, then the way to be refreshed is not going on a picnic. The way to be refreshed, really refreshed, 
is to worship the Lord. If, if worship to you is a chore, then you've, you've missed the point of worship. Worship is a delight in which God invigorates our soul. Church should be not a negative burden, but a refreshing time, a time you want to be here to renew your soul by delighting in the Lord himself. Let's bow for prayer. As we are still before him, I want to ask you some questions. Bring some points home. Make sure that when you leave here, you've decided to take action in response to God's word. First of all, do you take a day off from work each, each week? You need to. If you think that the business needs you, that extra day is not going to help you. It's going to weir- make you more weary, and you'll be sinning against God. You need a day off. Your, your spouse needs you. Your children need you. You need to do that. doesn't matter which day you take as long as you take a break, both physically and mentally. Secondly, do you understand the Bible does not restrict your activities on Sunday? You have been freed from the ceremonial legalistic burdens of the law. You may have been raised with a list of forbidden activities, but those Sabbath-like ordinances ended with Christ's death. Enlighten your conscience. Don't violate it, but enlighten your conscience. It's all right. And in case you're worried about people stumbling, seldom do they really stumble, which would mean that they're tempted to do what you're doing. They're not usually tempted in that arena. They just are critical. Don't put yourself under anyone's bondage because of a critical spirit. And third, have you made sure that you find your spiritual refreshment in Christ's finished work? Are you resting in him, in him alone? Jesus alone will give you complete rest from the weariness of sin. You can't, you can't work your way to heaven. Those are burdens that you can't keep. You have violated this commandment. You violated as well as I have all of the commandments. And that's why the law points us to Christ. It, it not only is a picture, but it also reveals that we haven't kept it. We're sinners then as a follower of his, do you invigorate your spirit each week by worshiping him in church? Is that a priority? Those other things are fun, but they shouldn't be the priority. You can do them other days. That's the priority for Sunday. Worship him. Let him refresh your soul. I'm going to give you a few moments to think about this, apply this to your life, talk to the Lord, and then we'll close. Well, Father, we thank you for allowing us the privilege of studying this important law, one that has confused many people, and we pray that today this has been helpful. Lord, we pray for those who have never trusted Christ, that that today they might see it, Lord, as perhaps never before, and find their heavenly Sabbath rest in Christ. Lord, we thank you for redemption being over. When Jesus said it is finished, it is finished. Thank you for that. Draw folks to yourself. For those of us, Lord, who do know you, who have been burdened down with all kinds of man-made rules imposed upon us, help us to live freely, never to take our liberty as a, a way to flaunt it, as a way to hurt others, but, Lord, to enjoy the freedom we have in Christ. And, Lord, would you pray that Sunday worship would be precious, that our singing, our giving, our hearing of the word would, would be a delight to our hearts, and that we would delight in you and that the Sunday experience here at Lakeside would be joyful 
would be not a burden, but a blessing. And so, Lord, we present your truth now, and we pray that uh, long after we're gone, may it abide in us, and may we delight you by obeying it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. I hope Pastor Steve's lesson has been helpful and that you will join us again for the next verse-by-verse as Steve Kreloff preaches through the Ten Commandments. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio classes are produced by Verse-by-Verse Ministries. We're on the web at versebyverseradio.org. You can order a CD or cassette with this entire three-part message by calling us at 727-239-0306. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. Beginning with the fifth, though, the focus changes to our relationships with other people. In other words, there is a shift from the vertical to the horizontal relationships. Are things not going well in your life? If so, there are many possible reasons. One of them just could be that you are not honoring your parents. Next time on Verse by Verse, we will begin learning about the commandment that has a promise attached to it. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse. If you're concerned about three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.